Hey everyone, welcome to the Envy Creative Podcast uh, slash live stream. My name's Mike, I'm the head producer here at Envy. I'm Tim, I'm the head editor. I'm Greg, I'm one of the actors. And uh, if, if you don't know a lot about either the live stream if you're watching it on YouTube or the podcast if you're watching it on one of your many podcast live areas, um, yeah, then... Um, <laughs> We're Envy Creative, and we are a production company slash creative agency, and we produce videos for uh, brands, products, businesses, startups, pretty much everything um, commercial related. And uh, just thank you for either watching the live stream or watching after the fact or listening to the podcast. Um, we just started putting it on a podcast version because since we're just doing talking anyway we thought we might as well put the audio up might as well. and while you're at it all the normal like youtube jargon make sure you like subscribe and if you're listening uh, <laughs> to the podcast make sure you either follow or uh, give us a good five stars on apple Podcasts. please so um to start off we're just gonna do a little uh, sharing uh, we'll start with greg any current Ooh. projects current things you're working on that uh you think are cool or you know just want to put out there oh, man well I, I hate to sound like a cool guy but i have two do things it. that i can't talk about right now actually <laughs> not a big deal um <laughs> but acting wise anyway uh but i i have a, a separate venture that i've gotten into uh recently it's um, i'm into self-development I have a life coaching certification, and I have started a website, gregaudino.com, G-R-E-G-A-U-D-I-N-O. How are you? Um, and uh, there's a lot of videos on there that uh, offer kind of a new perspective on life, a new perspective on self-help. It's very PG-13. It's fun. It's not too preachy. So if you need a little shake-up, feel free to check that out. That's been a big focus of mine lately, and it's, it's very fulfilling. I'll vouch That's for it. It's, it's, it's good stuff. Oh, helped them produce some of them. And, and, yeah, and he good. runs contests now where yeah. you can actually win like gift cards. Monetary for, gift cards. For, yeah. uh, for, you know, you were doing a last, um, the last contest you did was a gift card for Amazon. Yeah, this week's going to be Target. Starts tomorrow, actually. It's on Instagram if you want. Our last, last advo, last advertisement. Right. This is the time I, to do it. At though, so, yeah. Simply Greggles, S-I-M-P-L-Y-G-R-E-G-G-L-E-S. <laughs> if you want to win a gift card, you can go there. That's all. So if you're watching the live stream <laughs> or you're watching uh, the recorded live stream, then today, I guess, then this is relevant. If you're watching the podcast, this is coming out well after you, you missed it oh, today. If you're listening yeah. now, well, you, you missed it. It's a weekly thing, so there'll be a new one on there. Yeah. Oh, so, good. Yeah, okay. yeah. There you go. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, you did one where you uh, you had to um, get a screenshot of oh, yeah. uh, an ugly screenshot. Yeah, that's the same contest every week. Basically, uh, you know, <laughs> Tim and Mike understand this very well. We do a lot of, there's a lot of editing, uh, which results in a lot of horrifying, ugly screenshots. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, a big part of my site uh, is, is, you know, self-deprecation. So it's a lot of fun <laughs> for people to submit their ugliest screenshots and the ugliest one gets a gift card. That's how it is. So. One thing that people said is that you're a good looking guy. So it was really hard to find a bad screenshot of you. I, but, you know, we did find some. There's plenty. <laughs> That guy was, yeah, I, I was think like, someone was just getting a little that, flirtatious. Yeah. No, it's easy to find a terrible <laughs> screenshot of anybody. That's all I have to say. Boot that. Right. So I'll go next. Um, so I guess maybe something that I'm working on right now. And if anybody has any suggestions, please let me know. So 
I'm looking for, I'm doing a bunch of research right now to try to find a new like email. I mean, this, this might not be interesting, but I'm trying to find a new email newsletter. Uh, <laughs> I thought you were email signature no, or no. something <laughs> like that. <laughs> well, in, in the midst, I did find like a couple websites that it's like, oh, make the, the best email signature it's possible in now. two seconds. <laughs> I and don't think that's like a really Yeah, I mean, we have a really bare bones one, but so anyway. Anyway, um, <laughs> So I was doing a bunch of research to try to find a new email newsletter, uh, I guess, service or program mm. online that it's kind of it's kind of a unique thing where I'm looking for one that takes your like already made content, like your social media posts, your videos from YouTube, your uh, blog content, and basically automates it so that it just puts like all your recent ones oh. or, or the best ofs in like a post or in a, a uh, email, and then you just curate it and send it out rather than having to like assemble it. Yeah. Um, I found a couple of them that I'm that I have to try out, but there's really only like two or three out there. So if anybody out there knows of any and you want to let me know you can or you know while we're at it you know be sure to ask us some questions if you want them answered on the show yeah. definitely for sure what are you working um, on, Tim? i'm working on a, a lot of different things i'm I, I do a lot of music outside of envy creative so i've got a couple band projects that are happening That's and um Thank you so much. Mm. Uh, I also do a lot of design. Um, I go by a space monkey on Instagram, and it's just like a lot of kind of psychedelic, trippy visuals. But I do a lot of album art design for bands and artists and whatnot. So, working with a couple of bands right now. Have a actually tomorrow. Well, when you're listening to this, it'll be out already. But yeah, <laughs> my band I did in Australia is announcing their album, so I get to post that tomorrow. So that'll be fun. So yeah, it's always really cool to be able to work with. You know, and we do this at Envy a lot, but like work with international clients and then know something that you made is being you know put out somewhere else in the world. And this case mm. down under so you know that should be fun mm, but nice. uh yeah always staying busy with that cool um and before we go into the questions for the day just reminding you that you can ask us questions to be answered on the show on our youtube uh comments or on facebook we also um post this to, to facebook after we're done streaming we just post the video or uh, just directly through our website, if you're listening to the podcast, that's thinkenvy.com, T-H-I-N-K-E-N-V-Y.com. Okay, so let's move on to the questions for today. Um, first question, what is the best company rebrand of all time? IHOB. No. <laughs> <laughs> Failure. Uh, that's a good one. Yeah. That's a good question, actually. I'm trying uh, to think of, like, who uh, has rebranded. Well, I'll, I'll start from what I can think of. So, um the farmer's insurance, mm. uh, I, I, you know, I, I liked their commercials before, but I remember it was eight years ago, but when they came out with their new jingle, though, we are farmers. Mm -hmm. bum, bum, yep. So when I first heard that after their rebrand, I thought it was the dumbest thing I'd ever heard. And I was like, why, why, why were they, why would they do this? This is so dumb. But then I don't know, years later, whenever the commercial comes on, I kind of do like, oh, da, 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 da. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, head. yeah, it gets stuck in your head. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, it's kind of nice and kind of like upbeat. And, you know, you you think, oh, wow, this is a, this is a really neat company. Yeah. Um, but that's that's the only <laughs> kind of rebrand I can think of that when I first heard it, I thought it was dumb. But now, years later, I'm like, oh, that's 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 kind of nice. Yeah. Mm. Probably like the best rebrand in terms of like how well it did was probably like when 
Apple retail really blew up and they started like brand, mm. branding Apple as we know it, the clean white, you know, stores and the website redesign and all that. Because if you were using Apple back in like the, you know, early 2000s or late 90s, it was like kind of dorky and like, you know, <laughs> clunky. It was like, oh, you want to buy an Apple computer? It's like, but once they rebranded and then especially with the iPods coming out and everything just got that Apple look that we all know. So, you know, it's a look we try to nail a lot in commercials because mm -hmm. they've kind of made a name for themselves. But that's probably the most like noticeable when I was thinking of like, new logos or things like that that people have done but i don't know nothing really stands out too much but it's a good question though yeah. i actually i've been reading a lot about marketing recently and uh i, I ha i've recently read about like three examples of companies in the past that did a rebrand and like changed the entire market at the oh, time uh of course i didn't do my homework do properly no i forgot them <laughs> but um I, I think, though, just for the person asking this, if this question is coming from a place of, you know, you're trying to rebrand your company, um, if, if it's related to that, I don't know. Uh, but be careful because, you know, like what, what Tim was saying with Apple, you know, they, they all st it stayed in one line. You know, it was all technology. And one thing that's very um, unwise for companies to do, which a lot of people don't realize, is when they step into an entirely new market. Mm -hmm. Um, and assume that they'll be successful just because they've had, you know, just because they've had success in one area and already have a big following or a lot of supporters. Um, but uh, virtually every study has shown that the companies that do this fail miserably just because of all the money that goes into advertising a new thing. Um, because a big part of marketing is just being first in the, uh, in, yeah. you know, in the consumer's mind and not necessarily best. So once, you know, if, if you if you have a company and you're thinking about rebranding in some way, just be careful not to stray too far from what you're already doing. Mm -hmm. um, that that can that's kind of a, a trick that a lot of companies fall into. But yeah. Apple is not a good example of that because they were like, oh, we're a computer p company. Uh, let's try out phones. And then that blew up. Oh, and they're like, oh, yeah. let's try out uh, watches. Yeah. And then that blew up. So that's not a good example. Well, but. They brought all these like computer characteristics to the phone. Yeah, I guess that's true. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah. not like they were like, we're Apple. We're really good at this. Oh, now try our new our new protein powder. Right. You know what I'm right. saying? Like that's that's what I that's more oh, what gotcha. I mean. You try okay. it though. I mean, Was I, that? I, oh, I'd, I'd, I'd absolutely Apple try it. Powder? Yeah, yeah actually, like apples. Actually, you know, I can speak I can speak firsthand for that because uh, envy way back. Um, we used to do like graphic design and video and website design and photography and mm -hmm. basically anything multimedia. And then we decided we were just going to double down on video because mm -hmm. that's what we uh, that's what we think we did best. And you know, we we still do some of that on request, but it's very few and far between. Um, but yeah, then you know we became a. I would consider a successful production company. So yeah. locking down on one niche area yeah. is, is that's always the way to go. Exactly. Yeah. Um, okay. Next question: What are some brutal truths about being in the film industry that are not <laughs> talked about? <laughs> oh, how much time do I have? <laughs> Buckle up, kids. <laughs> you got a few minutes. Um, who went first last time? I went first last time. So some. Yeah, Tim, you go I'll, first. I'll I have so so here's the deal. Uh, pretty much everything about the film industry is a brutal truth. So I feel like if you, <laughs> if you can just accept that, then you'll actually do a lot better. No, um, set good expectations. Align yourself with good people. You know, like th there's a lot of things that I think a lot of people jump on really quick because the money sounds good or the deal sounds good or whatever. I mean, I'm sure we've all had projects that looked like they were gonna be something really big, like the one and then oh it fell through gosh. or something like that. I think it's always safe to, not pessimistically, but like err on the side of caution, always protect yourself first when it comes to your artistic integrity, kind of what your mission is. 
um, as an actor or director or editor or whatever. Um, but just know that most people in this biz, as sad as it is to say, they're looking out for number one and that's themselves. Mm -hmm. And they don't care usually about you. And that sounds callous, but unfortunately it's just like, if you can assume that people are gonna be that way, you'll find the right people that aren't gonna be that way. You know, you'll find the people that actually care about your vision and sort of like what you're trying to accomplish with your art. And I feel like, the film industry and the music industry too, like all these big industries, mm -hmm. just riddled with people at the top who are not really caring about the people at the bottom. And, not, and I mean, who can blame them? Really, it's like they don't—they don't need to. They're not—you're not making them money. So I think it's like money first. You know, just always know money is going to come first for people when it comes to making decisions. But just know that you're probably going to get shut down a lot, and you're probably going to fail. But in each one of those failures is lessons and ways that you can adapt further and on the next project or the next. Uh, relationship you have with somebody in terms of being creative, you'll have uh, best practices and things you learned last time that you can then take and hopefully succeed in the way that you want to. So just, you know, look out for yourself, but do it in a way where you're still being empathetic for others and you're helping <laughs> others with their creative journey too. But yeah, it's a hard world out there in the film biz, yeah, guys. Yeah. yeah. You can go That's next, please. Um, uh, kind of piggybacking a little bit off of, of what you were saying, I guess I... I, I would like to always be a trust um, a trusting person with mm -hmm. other people, but I guess in the film industry, it's one of those things where you never have to take somebody, I guess, by just their word. Mm -hmm. um, there are a lot of situations that come up where people say, hey, we're going to do this, or hey, we want you for this, or hey, this is happening, and it's all talk, and it never goes anywhere, and things like that, and people get their hopes up, like you were saying, but... Sometimes it does happen and sometimes it does work out and then it's great, but don't kind of stray from other avenues. Don't kind of push other things off when you're hoping this one thing will happen because sometimes it doesn't, you know, there are a lot of times where even, you know, even at Envy where we're working on a project and say maybe a client wants, um, you know, they want a video done, but they also say, hey, just to let you know, we're going to do this one video with you and then we're going to do you know, 50 more videos mm -hmm. and we say, okay, great. Um, you know, that's great if that happens, but if not, that's fine too. We're just going to focus on this one thing. Um, and that's just an example in envy, but, uh, and you know, sometimes it does happen. Sometimes they follow through and they say, oh yeah, you know, we have this whole campaign. We're going to do this whole thing. But sometimes, you know, we, we do try to make videos very, I guess, evergreen, which means, once we make one video, it's pretty much good for a while. So a lot of the time when a client sees that, they realize, oh, you know, we don't really need all those videos because we have this one good one. But but yeah, basically jumping back to the film industry, just wait for stuff to be signed or in writing or, you know, you starting to actually do the thing. But up until it gets to that point, don't don't really just take people by their word uh, until stuff actually starts happening, I guess. Yeah, that, that that's so again, that's brutal. True. You know, yeah, yeah, <laughs> brutal that, truth. That that's so unbelievably true. Uh, it, it is amazing how many like times you feel like you're so close to something that's going to happen, and not necessarily because you're being lied to. It's there are just so many. There are so many variables in mm -hmm. within every facet of this industry that prevent thing prevent things from happening. Yeah. Um, I, I, I could talk about this for so long. Same, I, I mean, I, you know, I'm really lucky. I've worked on some, like, the biggest productions around. And I, so I've seen it at every level. And I think what what is the most startling to me is the, the sense of insatiability mm. that comes with this industry. Um, because 
you know, you can get and get and get. And if you're tying all of your worth into a, you know, a professional goal, which is very common for, for you know, artists, if you want to, you know, if you want to refer to us as artists, um, it's be, because, we are, artists, please. sure, I, I don't, I don't like to call it acting <laughs> art, but you know, that's fine. The artist um, formerly known as Greg. Yeah. yeah right. <laughs> um, but you know, this is like for artists or creative types or whatever, they're, it's an, they're usually in an industry that's categorized by failure. Like if you're not like a household name, you somehow blown it and it's all like freelance and it's nuts. Right. So you're taught to have like, just give everything away, give yourself entirely to your industry and People are passionate enough about it, um, so they do that. There's so much sacrifice that goes into it. But um, the question becomes, you know, are you actually passionate about it, or is it a matter of your ego? And it's really hard to, 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 to uh, differentiate between the two. So what happens is you can get all of this success, but it's not necessarily enough, mm-hmm. and there's not a line because you're always needing more. And I've seen this on, you know, in some of the, you know, Hollywood name talent, you know, there's just this sense of like, it needs to be more, this isn't enough. And I think that's the biggest problem is this, like this facade of like achieving your goal. Very few people are self-actualized enough to realize that like, I'm in it, I'm doing it and I've, you know, and I've done it and this is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Rather than saying, no, I need to do more. This isn't enough yet. You know, I, I've been there. I'm sure the three of us have been there oh, um, on a daily yeah. basis. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. So I, I think that just this idea of this idea of chasing a goal is is it needs to play second fiddle to having self-worth and self-respect, uh, you know, outside of that. Uh, and a lot of people are not, you know, not only in the film industry, but a lot of people just aren't tailored to do that. You mm-hmm. know, there's so much emphasis on like hard work these days in your profession that that kind of becomes like the main, uh, you know, point of identity for a lot of people. And it's unfortunate and it's very prevalent in this industry. So I just think it's this sense of insatiability. And ultimately that comes from like, you know, somewhere, some sort of uh, ego, but yeah. it's, it's very, it's very sad. It really, it really is, and there are so many actors I know who have their whole self worth tied up in with you know how they're doing professionally, and it depresses me. And and uh, but it's such a you know you can get so devoted to it and so mm-hmm. in love with it that all these other things in life might pass you by. I know so many actors who are like you know, they're like middle aged, they're like still like working as, as you know waiters or something while they're sharing an apartment with somebody, and. You know, for a few of them, perhaps that's what they want to be doing. But the majority of them have missed out on like, oh, well, I actually wanted to settle down and have a family. And, uh, oh, I actually wanted to do this or that. And um, it's sad because in this industry, again, back to what we were saying, like it always normal. feels like it's so close but so yeah. f- but but so far. Like your life could change in a day. That's true. But that is just so – it's overly seductive to people. Totally. And it, it really makes me sad. And I know so many friends – in this industry who like feel shame for not like being where they want to be professionally. And it, it depresses me. And we've talked about this yeah. here. I made a speech about it when we did the envy dinner at Christmas. <laughs> I made a point of saying that I care so much about everybody here and I don't give a shit how successful they are. It, like it really doesn't matter to me. And I hope that's the case for most people. Mm-hmm. That's all I have to say. And about it's okay it. to say no to projects yep. and, and, and stuff. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're going to have to if you get a certain degree of success, but yeah, without question. Okay, good. Uh, Well, again, those were brutal truths (laughs) per the question. Yeah, so, all right, to, you know, lighten things up or I guess neutral things up. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Next question. 
How can I depixelate an old low quality video in Final Cut Pro 10? Uh, I want to know this. I so know. I there's there's a couple different ways. Um, the new update on Final Cut Pro 10 does have a denoise feature, which can help with not depixelating, but just cleaning up the footage. The other way is just to throw a sharpen layer on it and try to sharpen it up. Uh, other than that, yeah, I feel like if anything. They- there, there are places that allegedly will like do it for you. They'll like clean your video footage and stuff, but they're I've never used them. Yeah, they're really expensive. Yeah. Um, but I've never used them. But yeah, usually it's just like looking, as Mike said, there's a lot of difference between pixelated footage and then like grainy footage, especially like low light, older you know cameras didn't capture low light at all. So that if you're shooting anything in the dark, it's gonna look like crap. So yeah, just trying to denoise it or mess with the color correction yeah, a little bit, like, to crush some blacks, you know, things like that. To bring up some brightness, stuff yeah. like that. Okay. Uh, next, do big budget films or low budget films generally produce a better return on investment? Hmm. It's kind hmm. of a big question, honestly. I mean, uh, I, I have some thoughts on this one. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Yeah, you can go ahead. Yeah, I think. Start us off. Well, here's the deal. It depends. It all depends on the content, man, and it depends on what your avenue is for getting people getting butts in the seats. You know, like the big budget movies. You know, I think we all think of like Marvel or something like that. They got junk change to spend on this <laughs> stuff. You know, it's it's it's. Well, they they have Disney money. Yeah, they have with unlimited money. unlimited bank yeah, account. Literally huge bank account. That's probably going to still yield a huge return because uh, it's life. Marvel. Yeah, <laughs> it's like they can make a crappy Marvel movie and still bring in millions of dollars. Now, when you ask about low budget films, those can perform really well because the return on investment is okay. This was a five million dollar movie. <clears throat> We're going to make thirty million on it. It's like that's a huge profit right there. So it all depends on the content. I think uh, the, the most current example is uh, Blumhouse, obviously, Jason Blum's company. Mm-hmm. They do a lot of more horror movies and stuff. But probably one of their biggest successful franchises is the Insidious series, which is, you know, the low-budget horror movies. But James Wan, who, who just directed Aquaman and he did the last Fast and the Furious movie, like, that was one of his, like, not even his early films. He did that later, but that was made for under a million dollars. Like, and that's because of, yeah, it was $800,000. Uh, $800, was that cheaper for, than the first uh, one they did in the house? What was the first one they did? Like, the really popular one. Well, I mean, that, that, that was Insidious. Insidious. No, well, no, so. the camera footage of, like, the person oh, getting pulled from the bed. Activity. No, that was way cheaper, yeah. That, oh, yeah. Was no, that a no. bigger ROI, though? Um, Probably. Well, yeah, 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 because yeah, I mean, they spent, yeah, like, the less you spend, you know. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. No, that's I unbelievable. They spent, like, almost 30000 but that's nothing. No, yeah. Still, yeah. That's still considered an indie. That's very indie. But, yeah, yeah, so if you have an awesome script and you have a good director and great actors, you can make a banging movie for no money, you know, and, and hopefully it gets seen. And I feel like, you know, with Netflix and Amazon Video now, there's plenty of distribution channels to make sure people see your movie. But, yeah, in terms of making the money back, it can go both ways, really. But I think... For me, I'm always a little bit more drawn to the lower budget ones because it doesn't cost a lot up front. Hopefully, your talent shines through and you can make a really good product and then hopefully sell it. You know, so I don't know. Those are my thoughts on that. If you're not familiar, uh, low budget or uh, like a low budget indie film is considered at a budget of a million dollars or less, yeah. which is like a lot of it money. Seems like so much money, but it's, it's like, not. It's honestly no, not yeah, that much yeah. Money. <laughs> like like a lot can be done, but yeah. you know, um, yeah. I mean, again, kind of almost the same thing. Where if you have a also saying when you were saying uh, about Marvel movies, it's like oh, a crappy Marvel movie. I'm like. Has there been a crappy, like a crappy, crappy Marvel movie? Iron Man 2. He's what? A, oh, oh, no. Uh, he looks up. <laughs> I like all of them. <laughs> yeah. That was with um, Mickey Rourke, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
I was about to be like, I like all the Iron Men. All the Iron Men. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean... Big big budget movies don't necessarily, you know, have a good ROI and neither do low budget films. I mean, you know, um, Mortal Engines, which I did not see yet, mm. be, but I really wanted to see, I guess had, it was like a $150 million budget or something, and they did not make that back. Uh, but Alita uh, had a little bit of lower budget because it was um, Robert Rodriguez directing it, mm. and he likes to pinch the pennies. Uh, but like but yeah, like that's that. that's surpassed its um, its budget, so that's you know that's doing really well. But yeah, on the other hand, low budget films, you know, sometimes don't have any ROI. Sometimes they're just kind of you know made they to exist. yeah, they just <laughs> exist. And and sometimes like low budget, you know, could mean uh, either make it in, make it in theaters or just going to festivals, and they don't really have any. Um, they don't really have any, you know, purpose of getting money from it. But if, you know, if a distribution company like Paramount or Fox or whatever picks it up and wants to distribute it to to theaters, then you got your ROI right there. Mm-hmm. So, I, I think that our that the ROI is better on a big budget. Um, I think it can go either way. Like, you know, your Tim, your example with Blumhouse is is textbook. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was like the biggest killing ever. Uh, but I think there's a few things to consider. I mean. Nowadays, for movies especially, the ones that are filling seats because TV has all the power, the <laughs> ones that are filling seats are the ones with the nostalgia effect. Yeah. You can't mm-hmm. get rights to that stuff without big money, number one. Uh, number two, if you're an independent filmmaker... Like and Transformers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if, you're, yeah if you're an independent filmmaker and there are so many, uh, there are as many... like. You know how like there is a, a lot of there's a lot of celebrities, but there's like countless actors behind them that you'll never hear about. It's the same way with filmmakers. It's 100%. the same way, <laughs> and it's important to remember that if you're a you know there are so many films that come out that you'll never see, like countless. Oh, yeah. um, so like most of the best best picture noms. On, yeah, honestly, like, and that's the funny thing that like like Tim was saying, like you there's so much talent in. You know, some in some of these indie films, like there are films that you'll never hear about that are probably just as good as these, like you know, Oscar winners, yeah, yeah. unquestionably, yeah, like, like timeless movies uh, that no one will ever. Oh see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like and you have to understand that it's hard to grasp until you're in this industry, but it's just the truth. But for other brutal truth, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but for you know these. Uh, a lot of these low budget pictures, you have to remember that, like with the lower, the lower the budget, the less responsibility the you're going to put on yourself. That's <laughs> <Yes. laughs> <The> talkies. <laughs> um, Sorry. No, no, no. But a, a lot of it is like a sense of of, of motivation. Um, the bit, the more money is invested into it, the more you're going to put towards it. The more everyone's going to put towards it. The more every, the more enthusiastic every single person on the set is going to be. Ultimately, doing a better job. Um, you also have to remember that. These big budgets, a lot of the money is going to marketing. Mm-hmm. And if it's mm-hmm. not in market, like if these indie films aren't being marketed, nothing's going to happen to them. I mean, it's so rare. Like like Tim was saying, like you can hope your talent shines through and it ends up in the right hands. But I mean, this th- it's the same likelihood for that to happen as it is for some actor to get plucked off the street because yep. of how they look. And that really hasn't happened since like the 1950s. <laughs> like, it, it's true. Like, so it's, it's just... <laughs> It's just different now um, there, because there is so much competition. Like, this industry is getting more and more congested. And I know, like, yeah, there's more stuff coming out, sure, but there are more people coming in than there is stuff being produced. It is getting more congested. It is harder and harder to get seen, and money talks. Uh, so I would say that overall, a big budget definitely has a better ROI 
for those reasons. But it's not to say that indie films can't do well. I'm not saying that. That's what all. they're made for. Yep. You know, yeah, money makers. Yeah. yeah, it's a money. This this business is it's money driven. It it just is. That's why you have actors getting hired based on their Instagram followings yep. and reality reality actors go, like all this stuff. That's that's why. It's not about your talent necessarily. It's Wasn't about there a story money. with like Sansa from Game of Thrones that she got like hired over somebody else because of that or something? Oh, maybe, yeah. Somebody's social Some, media following somebody, was bigger, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's that happens all the time. Yeah. I have people I yeah, my my I've had agents in the past tell me that like you know, my my the auditions and stuff I'd be getting, all our conversations would be much different if I had like an extra fifty or a hundred thousand followers on Instagram. Nonsense. Yeah. So One thing I was going to say, just in closing, is if you do want to, I mean, support low budget films because people like us make them, and you know, it's, <laughs> it, I would encourage everyone at least once in their life, if you love film, if you love stories, go to a film festival. Like, especially if you mm. live in Los Angeles, there are dozens throughout the year that you can go to for free like every day. Yeah, no, dude, somewhere, just go like go online and look up like you live in Sacramento, Sacramento film festivals, and just find one because you'll find some awesome talent in your in your city. Even if you live in a small town, people do festivals. So like, I've found some of my favorite movies at film festivals. And as Greg mentioned, a lot of people still haven't seen them, A, because there's no distribution, or they're indie and they're yeah. just available somewhere and you have to seek it out. So go go support the small movies. Greg, what's that Netflix film that like you and all the other actors saw? It was like a couple of years ago, but it had some number in the title, but... Um, oh, um, you, you said you all cried. Yeah, something. Um, the one who's the girl? Let's go backwards. It was Brie Larson. Okay. It was something like eleven or something. Short term twelve. Short term twelve. That movie is unreal. But even still, that had a star in it. Yeah, but that was actually yeah, but big that was in comparison though. Like was to that, some. Well, I mean, it was like. But that wasn't budget, in theaters. That was yeah, that was straight was. to Netflix. No, no, it was, yeah, that it was, was in theaters. theaters. Yeah, it was like a small. It, it was oh. like Fox Searchlight or something. Yeah, but still, it was indie though. Yeah. So very like limited distribution. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you about one more before we move on. Uh, this is uh, it's a movie called Manic. I believe it's from 2001. Oh, it has a very uh, young Zoe Deschanel and a very young mm-hmm. Joseph Gordon-Levitt. And it's shot on like a handheld, I think it feels like. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's a handheld. And it is a stunning, stunning movie. But again, this is before they were name actors. And um, I thought you were talking about the new one with Emma Stone. and uh, Oh, the show? No, yeah. it's from, it's it's from really 2001. Cool it's really it's weird, very yeah, it's good. Um, but again, that's 2001. It's a, even 18 years ago, it was much easier for an indie film to get noticed Mm -hmm. easier for a new actor to get noticed very different now yep yeah all right so next question um how can i be successful with my first kickstarter campaign well as a video production company that makes kickstarter videos (laughs) and just as you know uh, a person in general who has backed some kickstarter stuff videos are very very important i don't even know if you can have a kickstarter now without a video yeah and um, the more shareable it is, the more uh, you know, funny and and likable it is, then the the more likely you're gonna have a successful Kickstarter. I mean, yeah. plain and simple. Yeah. Mm. I can speak to this. I've had a successful Kickstarter. Um, yeah, <laughs> Keep and, uh, yeah. The change. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, I did a yeah, I did a movie about it was about four years ago now, five years ago when we funded it. But yeah, it was called In Residence, and we just raised five grand to try to make a little indie horror film. Speaking mm-hmm. of indie film, but we were successful, and I'd like to think part of the reason why is our we didn't have too lofty of goals. We had nice returnables, like things people will get, like posters and stuff, things that are easy to manufacture. Mm. 
but the video was really important. It was short, it was to the point, it was visually pleasing, had music, it was well rehearsed. It wasn't like, um, um, a lot of that stuff. It was just very like, it was casual, but still sort of like, I don't know. A lot of people said that the reason they donated five, 10 bucks was because they, the video sold it, you know? So hire us to make your video and we'll, we'll make sure that you get your money. <laughs> the other thing about a Kickstarter campaign, um, not in regards to the video, kind of what Tim was saying, where put put a decent amount, but it's okay if like you go over that amount in the actual production or whatever you're doing, because a lot of the time Kickstarter is mainly just a um, it's mainly just to get a feel of if people are interested in what you're doing. I mean, you went over budget, you know, definitely. <laughs> so, but you know, it was a way for you to get out uh, your film yeah, and, yeah. and stuff like that. Definitely so had more cash than we had to begin with. So yeah. Helped. So if something's gonna cost like you know six seven grand then yeah doing it for five grand is is totally fine just so that you can you know gain interest and, and see if people you know are actually interested in it yeah i mean if you want your kicks if it's a longster long-term a kickstarter longster longster one of them, them long stem <laughs> kickstarter you know, if it's a long-term kickstarter uh I, you gotta kind of approach it from a marketing standpoint honestly you have to it's so easy with a Kickstarter to ask me, me, me. Um, but in order to speak to people, you need to you need them to trust you. So you need to have a you need to be vulnerable in your story. Let them know what they're really donating for. You need to think about your ideal donor, the person that this is really going to speak to, and try to try to reach out to them. Um, yeah, you probably want to engage with people as well. Uh, again, if it's long term and you can kind of stay up to date, so they're you know they're informed of it and their their brains aren't taken away from it. And uh, what you guys were saying too about like posters and this and that. I mean, that makes it all the more. Uh, enticing for people if there's some kind of fun reward for them at the end of it uh, aside from donating uh, so yeah there's there's a lot to consider but the more people know you and trust you ultimately the more they're going to be willing to donate and they'll do that if you are being truthful and you know not exposing yourself but exposing yourself uh, <laughs> you know what I mean uh, but yeah so being open being engaging letting people in on the story and building some form of trust and connection so they're, they know where their money is going and they're more confident uh, to, to give it to you. Yeah, and when we've done Kickstarter videos, uh, we, we have a, a number of successful Kickstarters that uh, we've done videos for. And we actually have a page on our website called like successful crowdfunding videos that, that we've done for uh, successful campaigns. And uh, we always suggest that the client um, just take a video of themselves. We normally coach clients on uh, how to be in the video, the best lighting, the best environment, the best uh, microphone that they mm -hmm. can use, uh, just so they can send us the video footage so that we can put it into the video that we're producing for them. Um, some some don't have that and they just want to kind of double down on the actual production quality of the main video and they don't want to be in it. But for the most part, we found that videos that have the client somewhere edited in make a little bit higher above their budget or above their goal than the ones that don't. So, all right, last one. Who are the most successful YouTubers? So successful in popularity or views or money or there there are a lot of different ways yeah. to success. I mean, you or know, like subscriber. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, PewDiePie was for a while and then he like, you know, said some, said some controversial things, said some stuff controversial. and then he went way down. Mm. I mean, so one one guy that I like and I think he's pretty I think he has like a pretty high subscriber 
and I don't know, I don't know his name, and I don't know his handle. <laughs> I don't know his channel. Yeah, I, I don't know. know I don't even know what his videos I mean, are about. Honestly, no, no, no. If so, he was a uh, he's a mechanical engineer and a hardware engineer, mm-hmm. and. Uh, I think he, I think he works for Google currently, but basically his YouTube channel is about debunking, um, like debunking things or kind of a MythBusters, but more from like a engineering standpoint, or just uh, kind of fun things. So for instance, um, he was getting like packages stolen off of his porch, and so uh, you know like Amazon packages, and so he wanted to he wanted to like get back at the people that were. Um, that we're doing this and so he he built it took him like six months to build this with like another engineering friend but he built a like a contraption that had phones on four sides with wide angle lenses so it was recording and then on the side it had a fart sprayer and then on the top it had <laughs> yeah. on the top it had a like a, a spinning disc filled with like very very fine glitter yep. And so basically what happened, and he put it in a, uh, an Apple um, uh, HomePod box. And so, so basically, like, the person would take it. It had a GPS tracker so he could see where they were on a map. And then when they opened it, it triggered all four cameras to start recording. And then it would automatically <laughs> upload that to, uh, to the cloud. So even if, like... He couldn't get the camera, or he couldn't get the thing back. He could still like get the video. Yeah, yeah. So he, they opened it. The fart spray would start spraying, so it would smell really bad, like a stink bomb. Yeah, yeah. And the glitter would just, you know, explode everywhere. And it was like he tr- he got the finest glitter he could. Oh my god! And so, so it would just see people's reactions. <laughs> and uh, but he has a bunch of videos like that. But he's like a he's like an engineer, so he can do all of that. You know, that's way above my head, but yeah. it's kind of funny to watch. But he has he has a lot of subscribers. I'm sure if you do like if you Google like HomePod like you know porch engineer i don't know so those are your keywords yeah, <laughs> yeah. engineer um I, honestly i i watch a lot of youtube but it's usually just by interest like oh i need to go find out how to do this or i'm curious about this um we love the we love the corridor guys we love their right. channel uh corridor crew as well but yeah just i i think what I, about your your uh your british blunder guy Oh yeah, I forgot his name though. Yeah, I felt uh, yeah, bad. Now when I was, I mean, I'm still learning it, but yeah, I was learning, <laughs> diving into Blender a month or two ago, and yeah, I found a guy on on Blender uh, tutorials that was like really, really helpful. That's the thing. We we tell you to use YouTube for tutorials all the time. It's mm-hmm. probably like my chief recommendation, but like Mike, I don't have any handles for it <laughs> or anything. Uh, so I, I I'm no more about it from a performance standpoint. Um, the, there's a very famous YouTuber right now that I've I've worked with on a show. Uh, called his name is Joey Graceffa and actually this would be a great show to watch so the show is called Escape the Night and it's a show that features like the most famous YouTubers getting you know playing this game and getting into all these crazy activities it's got like a theatrical twist on it so there are outside actors like myself Um, but it's always a collection of very famous YouTubers Uh, so it's his show his name is Joey Graceffa it's called Escape the Night I would recommend watching that for just like a plethora of new YouTubers every week um there's, you know, there's like Logan Paul, who's super famous, obviously. I think people kind of don't like him now because he's been a little too scandalous lately. And he, so his stock is kind of going down. Very, Sorry, Logan Paul. I didn't say it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that, but th- we should end by mentioning the most, uh, the most lucrative YouTuber. I don't know if you guys know. I think we were talking about it once. What's his name? It's like Ryan Opens Presents. 
I think oh, that's what kid, right? This yeah. is a seven-year-old kid. Yeah. I haven't seen it. I know. You guys are talking this about kid, it. I think he's seven. He opens... It's just him opening gifts and, like, reviewing them and, like, being cute. And I I don't know how this happens. I think this kid made, like... I think he makes, like, 26 million bucks a year, I think, or <laughs> something like that. And Sorry, I, I throw. I'm telling you right now, if I'm a kid watching this, I would hate him. Yeah. I'd be so jealous. I don't know how he's so popular. But uh, people... Yeah, but people people love him, and uh, so that kid is probably he is the most lucrative. He probably gets the most views, and I don't know if you're if you're a child and you want to see <laughs> presents being open, go to him. Or if you're a parent looking to buy presents for your children, I guess go to I think it's Ryan opens presents, something like that. He'll come right up. Don't worry about it. All right, yeah. cool. <laughs> well, that's all we have for you today. Uh, again, if you like the video, make sure you like the video and subscribe to the YouTube channel. If you're listening on podcasts, make sure you either follow the podcast or you, uh, you know, give us a nice five stars on Apple Podcasts. And we will catch you next time. Cheers, guys. Toodles. Bye.